was Mark De Vries. Good touch. A good turn. De Vries. Hat-trick. Mark De Vries. A hat-trick on his derby debut. Hello and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel. We are the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. We are back to winning ways with a very entertaining Sunday afternoon display. I am Laurie Dunsire, delighted to be joined once again by Mark Donaldson. We really did live up to the European song at the weekend, didn't we? The the Gorgi boys and the Gorgi girls really did make some noise, especially when we were 3-0 up. Um, so they made some noise for the Gorgi boys and, and we're going to Europe. What, what a good week! Because some weeks are shit and it's not <laughs> nice. And it's horrible losing last-minute goals in Edinburgh derbies. But when, when there's a good week, enjoy it. And, and this has been a particularly good week so far. And now we're on our travels. Indeed. Yes, we're recording on Monday. It'll be getting released on Tuesday as Hearts prepare to head out to Switzerland for their Europa League playoff match against FC Zurich. And before them, they got off to... They got off to. They, they had the perfect... Um, way to send themselves off for that game against Dundee United and a perfect way to bounce back after that late sucker punch in the derby that saw us lose that game 1-1 that was I actually accidentally did it one point in commentary on Sunday I was like wait, wait we didn't lose did we we actually drew I know um, I know <laughs> and, then, and, and you what was it 4-0 four 4-1 nil, four I mean 4-1 We've all been there. You just get you get carried away. Get excited. Get excited. Yeah, you, you do, but 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 deservedly so. Because you know what, Laurie, I don't even think we're near the best that we can be. I think we've no. shown flashes and glimpses. I think there's still a lot of improvement. And what we've seen so far, shite first half against Ross County. Um, not the best kind of middle part of the first half against Hibbs. And interestingly enough, when when the the they asked Robbie Nielsen after the game, must be delighted with that. He goes, well, kind of, because he, he felt that after they scored the opening goal, and I thought, Hearts oh, got off to a brilliantly quick start, I thought they took their foot off the gas. And Robbie said that as well, and he said it was much better in the second half. So there's a, a, a head coach with high standards, and, and, and a 4-1 win, the first thing he says is that it wasn't good enough for some spells of the first half. That's the kind of head coach I want. Yeah, exactly. I think you're right. We've, we haven't really hit... I suppose the heights that we we feel we can yet, yeah. and one big difference I guess this season is feels like we're a lot more clinical. Some points, I think yeah. last season and maybe the season before a little bit, it felt the other way. Like we had a lot of the play, we had a lot of the ball. We we looked like we were almost, um, almost there, but we just weren't making the right decision in the final third. We weren't doing as well as we should have in front of goal. But it's just now we're not hitting top gear, but we're scoring goals. I think Which that's is a good. really good point. I think that's a really good point. I'll, I'll tell you why. Because the more football you watch, and, and the better football you, that, that you watch, I'm not comparing hearts with anybody here, but the higher the level of football that you watch, the fewer chances that should be required for teams to score. And I'll take you back to something that Craig Gordon said many years ago. Um, he'd been at Sunderland for uh, probably about a season, having gone down from hearts. 
And I asked him what, what the difference was. And he says, I'm not as busy. I said, you're not as busy. You're playing for Sunderland. He goes, yeah, but the strikers and the forwards are more clinical with the chances that they get. So the, the average ratio of, of kind of goals is, is probably one per, I don't know, three or four shots. Whereas the lower the, the, the kind of level that you go to, it takes a lot more efforts to get that goal. And I think that's a really good point because I think we've improved the front line as far as Shankland is concerned. Not Sims. Sims was, Sims was different. I would have loved to have seen him back. But without Sims, as it was pre-Shankland, we're a lot better with Shankland in there. And, and Barry Mackay, to get two from three when he got two, I think, in all of last season, mm. more clinical. But it's little things that you probably don't, not you personally, but people listening, we don't know what happens at the training ground. But what they worked on last week, or part of what they worked on, was a goalkeeper who was fragile and to try shots from distance. And that's always been something that me and many other Harps fans have kind of questioned at times. Why don't we shoot more from distance? Rudy Scatchell did it a lot, but... How many how many great goals have we seen from Hearts players scoring from distance? And now I think you've used the perfect word. I think we're being a lot more clinical, and I think so far we've we've seen the uh, the fruits of of our labour. Yes, and we will talk about a clinical Hearts team in just a few moments in that game against Dundee United, and we will also look ahead to the big Europa League playoff match coming on Thursday night. <laughs> Forest looks for Boyce on the right. Now to Cami Devlin into the area. Chance for Hearts early on. Devlin across, flicked in! And Lauren Shacklin scores! In less than 60 seconds against his former club. United have barely managed to get going here. Wonderful move down the right from Hearts. Forest with a cutback. In fact, it was Devlin with the final ball. And it's a lovely flick by Lawrence Shanklin against his former club. What a start for Hearts. Hearts of Midlothian 1, Dundee United 0. Here's Barry Mackay for Hearts, shoots from 30 yards. Oh, what the Barry Mackay with an absolute sizzler from range. And it just sings into the bottom right corner. What a fine goal from the Hearts midfielder. And they started the first half with a bang. And they've started the second with a bang. Barry Mackay, Hearts of Midlothian 2, Dundee United 0. Mackay. Feeds it to Michael Smith again, edge of the box, looking for room for the shot. Left foot, decent effort, panned away by the goalkeeper and rolled in by George Grant. And Hearts have a third. Michael Smith's curling shot, panned away by Birigiti, but following up with his first goal in Maroon is George Grant, who just slides it into the empty net, just past the hour mark. Surely game over now. Hearts are low the in three, Dundee United nil. So a chorus of boos at Tynecastle. Stephen Fletcher from 12 yards against Craig Gordon. Fletcher scores, good penalty, bottom right corner. It's his first of the season, his first goal in Scottish football since the 2nd of May 2009. And it makes it Hartham and Lothian 3, Dundee United 1. Breaks to Shankland here. Ginelli makes a run, Shanklin picks him out into the box on the angle. Ginelli, 4 now! 4 1, I should say, and it's Josh Ginelli off the bench to add the icing on top of the cake. 
and bring to an end a miserable four days for Dundee United. It's been a fantastic display from Hearts and Ginelli gets his first of the season, just rolling it underneath Mark Berigiti right at the death. Part of Midlothian four, Dundee United one. Okay, so... Heart of Midlothian against Dundee United on Sunday at three o'clock. Moved, of course, because of Dundee United's European game in the Netherlands on the Thursday. For Hearts, just one change to the side that started the Edinburgh derby with Peter Haring dropping out and Cammy Devlin coming in for his first start of the season. And Hearts kept that 4-2-3-1 formation. Gordon and Goals, Smith, Halkett, Rolls, Cochrane, Devlin coming in alongside George Grant, Forrest, Boyce and Mackay, the attacking three, and Lawrence Shankland in attack. And the perfect start. I know, Mark, you've you've moaned many times about Hearts what? not starting games quickly mm, and they could scarcely have started a game as quickly quick as this. Uh, United actually kicked off the game, but with less than 45 seconds on the clock, Hearts would have scored a goal. Craig Halkett from the back, which is good to see with John Suter now departed. The nice sliding pass through to Devlin, who quickly moves across to Alan Forrest. Laurie, Alan, Alan Forrest. <laughs> Deary me. Uh, it's one of those I things. Got a, you get... I got a shock when I was like, oh, no one, that, that went under the radar. He's joined uh, his brother. Touches it to the right to James Forrest. You know, we've all made errors in everything oh, we yeah, do of in course. commentary as well, but the Alan Forrest one, I didn't even realise I'd said James. Usually if I make a mess up, I realise sure immediately afterwards, but I think it's I think I mentioned on Twitter, it's like muscle memory of nine years of commentating. James mm-hmm. Forrest has yeah. been around and I've always said James Forrest and suddenly his brother's playing for hearts. So I apologize, Alan Forrest. It was you, not your brother, who had <laughs> had a part to play in this move. Uh, Liam Boyce continued down the wing. He played it back to Devlin and he cut it into Lawrence Shanklin who um, buried it very nicely and perfect start. And I think it would have been exactly what Robbie Nielsen would have been after, get at them quickly, and exactly what Jack Ross would have been looking to avoid after that hammering mm. in, in Alkmaar. It was a brilliant start. Two very different players, Lawrence Shankland and Sean Goater. They used to have a song about Sean Goater, Feed the Goat and He Will Score. <laughs> yeah. uh, feed the whatever, Feed Lawrence is a rubbish song. But feed him and he'll, he'll, he'll score. He's a goal scorer. And it was a great start. I'd forgotten that United had um, had kicked off. There can't be too many teams that go 1-0 down inside a minute, <laughs> having started with the ball. And it was brilliant. It was a well-taken goal and just a poacher's finish, isn't it? I mean, isn't it? Going back to the days when we had goalkeepers that we were not happy to have, whether Joel Pereira back before that, Tepi Moylan, and lots of of duds, um, it makes you appreciate the good ones that, that you have. And it's nice now with Craig Gordon to know that, oh, it's Craig's in goals, he'll sort it out. Um, it's nice to know that if you give someone service, someone being Lawrence Shankland, more often than not, going back to what I said earlier and what you mentioned the word clinical, Lawrence Shankland is probably a, give him... Two or three of them, and he'll definitely score one. Liam Boyce, he's probably four or five of them to score one. So there's your difference. Starting last season, we had Boyce in attack before we got Sims. Now we've got Shankland in attack. And I think that's a big upgrade on um, on Boyce. And do you know what? I know that Boyce at times can be a bit of a target for, 
for the Boo Boys, but he never hides. And I, I know he went off early, and it, it, it kind of allowed, um, who was it that came on? Haring, I think, and they, they pushed George Grant a little bit further forward. Um, but Liam Boyce, he's, he's so um, unselfish with the runs. And, and a lot of the time, Liam Boyce will do things in a game that you probably, if you're at the game or watching on TV, you won't even notice. But it's unselfish runs that take a defender with them. Lauren Shanklin will love that because it's just playing alongside or just in front of someone like Liam Boyce. For anybody that kind of still isn't sold on him, you know what? He is what he is. I'd rather have him in my team and I'll be starting him um, against Zurich if I was if I was picking the team uh, for for that one. I like Liam Boyce. I, I didn't think he was great on Sunday, actually. I thought he was a little I'd bit agree. passive. Um, I, I'd, but... I'd agree. I don't want us going into the booing any of our own players. No, no, not at all. No, I like him overall. I thought Sunday was a bit of a poor one for yeah, him. Wasn't his best? Um, wasn't his best? I, I do but like. He's appreciated Lawrence. by his teammates. Oh, definitely. And I, what I like about Lawrence Shanklin, the simple things uh, when you watch the move develop on the right, and as it's coming down to Boyce and coming to Devlin, you see his movement. He's hovering. I think it's Graham who's with him who thinks he's got him, but he's, he, he kind of hovers to the near drops a little bit behind him. He knows exactly where he wants to be. He wants yep. to be between those two Dundee United centre-backs. And he's just waiting for that chance. And he does it perfectly. He's waiting, he's waiting. He, he knows what ball he wants cut back to him. And if he gets that ball, he's going to score. And I just like that movement. He goes to the near post, he hovers behind him, he's in between the two centre-backs. And as soon as Devlin makes the move to cut it back, he makes that run. And it's just perfect. It's it's simple, but it's something we've lacked for a long time. And it was just a great way to start the game. But you still need a good ball in. You, oh, yeah, you can course, make that yeah. run 10 times out of 10. And if you don't beat the first man or whatever, it's a waste of time. But that was a great delivery. It really was. It was. It gave Hearts the perfect start. And I thought for the opening, Robbie Nielsen, like you said, was a bit critical of the first half, which I, I've got no problem with. Say 10, I think he said, minutes, I thought we were fine. Uh, yeah, he said after, I think he said basically other than the first Seven minute, eight, yeah. We, yeah. We, weren't, they were, we weren't good in the first half. I thought we started even the first 20 minutes were okay. Yeah, that's, that's fair. And uh, I think the second half of the first half was where we got a bit passive. United started to come into it. Um, that's Ryan happened in all three games so far, by the way, Laurie. The yeah. second part of the first half. We've needed a rocket up our arses uh, collectively at half time. In each of the three games so far, it was 0-0 against Ross County, um, against Hibs. We scored the goal, but there was still a spell whereby, um, it, I mean, what was it? It was nil-nil at halftime at Hibs as well, wasn't it? No, we were winning one-nil. We're sorry, winning, winning one-nil one at Hibs. But again, yeah. So I, I think needing that rocket at halftime, that's a con- not, not a concern. It's just something to monitor. Yeah, we just became a little bit disjointed. Um, yeah. Forrest and Mackay were switched around, which didn't really work at that point. Although I know there was lots of fluidity throughout the game. Boyce... Um, and Shanklin was isolated as well. We weren't getting the ball to him. We we were happy for United to have have possession, which is fine because on the whole they were pretty ineffective when they got into the final third. But we seemed to be quite comfortable to sit off them. And I think whatever Robbie Nielsen said at half time, I think it was about playing on the front foot and getting at them because mm-hmm. although they were passive, saying it one nil is always a bit of a risk and it was a bit of a concern. Um, but we started the second half brilliantly and we, we got back at them. We upped the tempo. We played with a bit more purpose. And two and a half minutes in, Barry Mackay picks up mm. out on the left. 
um, just drifts in inside and hits an absolutely fantastic effort. Now, I know uh, Birigiti in the United goal was very suspect, but that is a tremendous hit and there's a lot of bodies in front of him as well. Don't buy a ticket, can't win the raffle. And as someone with confidence of getting that early goal, uh, scoring against Ross County and, and now scoring again at home, just he's just he's just full of confidence. So to to be two 0 up um, and and to to build on on what was said at at half time, uh, I just I, I think you're right. I think we were just a wee bit sloppy and a kind of oh well one 0 early goal that's fine that's a, our job done. Just a wee reminder at half time. Come on now, because one thing about Tynecastle and and we'll get onto this once it gets to three 0 where the atmosphere was, well, you'll be able to explain. It was light. It was really good. Tynecastle really can, the Hearts crowd really can be a 12th man for the football club. And it can frighten opponents. And if hopefully we're still in the tie against Zurich in the second leg, maybe ahead or drawing after the first leg, that they can really make a difference. Anyone that's been at a full Tynecastle on a European night will know exactly mm-hmm. how big a part that the Hearts crowd could play. However... When Hearts are underperforming, which I agree with you, I felt they did uh, up until half time for the second part of the first half, you need to be a brave player to be able to play under a crowd that quite rightly is frustrated that you've been unable to build on a very promising start. So there were a couple of times, who was it? Was it Cammy Devlin? It was someone that he went to play a pass, didn't play it, because the, the, the pass wasn't on. So he went to turn back and he'd play as if to play a pass back the way. And then there was this audible, <laughs> the tutting, an audible tut. Don't you dare play that ball back. Let's get on the front foot. And and the Hearts fans are quite right because don't rest on your laurels because you give them more of the ball, you give them more encouragement. And the likelihood is they're going to trouble Craig in the Hearts goal and, and potentially equalise. So... You have to be brave to play at Tynecastle when things maybe aren't going your way. And if you are, you'll be rewarded because after Mackay's second, George Grant gets the third after another Birigiti howler. What, how would you compare the noise level with, with both the goal, but mainly afterwards when the singing was in, in full effect? When was the last time you heard Tynecastle like that? I mean, for a non Mm-hmm. Not old farmer, non Hibs game. Oh, God, in a while, right? Champ- Champions League qualification night against Aberdeen. Maybe I'm trying to think. Really? If you if you take if you take European games, Old Firm and Derby's out of it. I'm trying to think. There's maybe something I'm forgetting. There's nothing that's jumping out. Um, but so it's, so it's been a while then. Uh, it was sensational on Sunday, mm-hmm. I thought. I think even Our in the first, first half. Sunday, amazing. Yeah, in the first half as well, because we got the early goal, it was just terrific noise. I could hardly hear myself speak, which is what you want. I mean, I just, at, at points, people will be glad that Jimmy and I could just shut up and just, <laughs> just listen to the, the singing of the fans. It was terrific. Not because um, you're here. I thought the commentary you and Joe, I thought you were excellent on Sunday, the pair of you. It was a good listen. It was a good accompaniment. And that's what good commentary should be. An accompaniment, not getting in the way, not trying to be the stars like some of the younger commentators maybe try and be by throwing in stats. There was there was a good amount of, of kind of humor. Um, there was a good amount of, of of knowledge, but not too much. But you let the game do the talking. And sometimes you 
If you can't hear yourself speak, you don't need to say anything. If the, if the noise is that loud, whether you're doing it for TV or radio, let people at home or whenever they are watching or listening, let them hear that. And I thought you, yeah. you two did a really good job on Sunday, so well done. Well, thanks. It's, it's easy when it's a game like that with, with lots of entertainment. The, the, the game made it easy in 61st minute. Hearts, like you mentioned, added a third. And again, what I like about Hearts just now in these parts of the game is moving it quickly, getting it forward. You know, remember the pedestrian um, performances we often saw in the championship. And Robin Nielsen said it's partly because there's no fans there, there's no urgency, there's no intensity. And it's you know, quite right when you look at a game like that because there was intensity from the stands and it kind of carried on to the pitch and we got it forward quickly. Cochrane left to right. Grant came in and when he picked up from the right, played it back to Mackay, who then moves it to the right again. I liked how we were moving the ball around yep. so quickly, Swift, stretching quickly. United. Yes. yes. And I mean, and it's crazy though. If you look at United defensively at this goal, I, I went back and did a freeze frame because it was like so much space out wide. They had their back four about 10 yards between the whole four of them at the edge of the box. Um, two defensive midfielders about two or three yards in front of them, another three midfielders just in front of them. There was basically nine of their 10 outfield players were in a 15-yard square, pretty much. And the hearts were just stretching them left to right, um, which was good to take advantage of them. But you've got to question the goalkeeper. And I think you were—I think you highlighted it. Robbie Nielsen must have said to him, look, he's low in confidence. We're not sure about him. Um, and we, we took pot shots. We took a lot of efforts. And Michael Smith's shot is, it's not that good. It's very tame. Um, it's one the goalkeeper should really smother, but it's one of the, it, it, it goes into the category make him work. Yeah, and, and he tries. It. He doesn't even just if you're going to push it, then oh, know, push it away around the post. But he pushes it right to George Grant, who does well to follow up and slide it in. Um, but a bit of a gift, three nil, and could it, could it be in the right place at the right time? Yeah, you've um, got to. Yeah. And, and George Grant get, gets his first goal. I find it interesting listening to John Robertson. Um, I, I download the Sports End podcasts um, when they're on. And he was doing the, I think it was Lee Miller. It was Lee someone. And it certainly wasn't McCullough because he was in the touchline. I'm sure it was Lee Miller he was alongside. But he said the, the likelihood is an instinctive forward player, not necessarily a striker, but an instinctive forward player will always follow that up. Whereas a defender usually is, is more reactive than proactive because he's waiting to see what the goalkeeper's done. And by that time, it's too late because George Grant has 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 come in. So, yeah, it's, it's been in the right place at the right time. So for the first goal, that run could be made. It's, it's the best run that Lauren Shanklin makes. But if the ball isn't good enough, the ball doesn't end up in the back of the net via Lauren Shankland because Forrest um, hasn't... hasn't. It was Forrest to put the cross in or Devlin for, for the first goal? That Devlin. Scored. It was Devlin, yeah. So Forrest makes the run. Devlin, if Devlin doesn't put the ball in, then it doesn't matter what happens if it's not a good ball for, for Shanklin. And with this one, if George Grant doesn't make the run and gamble, because he could do that 100 times, might only be successful once, but that's all you need in this instance, because you know, based on what Robbo was saying, that you're going to have, you're on the offensive and you're proactive rather than the defenders are being reactive. And and 3-0, and then the noise really started. It did, although nine minutes later, a goal back for Dundee United. And never a penalty. Never, never a penalty. Bejic, the um, Aussie left-back, cuts in, and Gary McKay, Stephen Nixon, touches the ball away, and 
at first I didn't really think there was any contact at all with the player, but I think if anything, Bayich has maybe he's kicked Gary McKay kicked Gary McKay Stephen after yep. he's lost the ball. It just a, it's a it's like I think it's a guess from Colin Stephen, who to be fair I thought was pretty poor overall. He doesn't um, look like he's got any authority, and like you know how some he looks. He like didn't look like he was sure, did he? Because he stopped, no, paused, I, I, and I, I think, don't think he like, had the best view either. I think, I think he, he guessed. Blocked. I think he guessed. I think. I think uh, it's funny the goalie wasn't happy because he's cost the goalie a cheap bonus, understandably so. Understandably so. Now he's not going to go. He's, he just he was pissed that his perception and my perception and everyone else's perception of a bad call has ultimately cost him financially. Um, doesn't matter how much he earn or, or whatever. A, a clean sheet bonus is there as an incentive, and it's it's annoying when it's taken out of your hands, not by you, by someone else. And I, I'm pretty sure, and this is where it's the whole cloak and dagger. Colin Stephen doesn't have to explain himself to anybody, um, which that's for another day about referees explaining mistakes because it could be easily become a witch hunt and. I think if he looks at that again, he'll see I got that wrong. But Craig nearly got to it. Had to be Fletcher, didn't it? Thankfully, it didn't mean too much, yeah. and and that was three one. And then finally, someone with pace at Hearts, and that's why I think it's important we keep him. Josh yeah. Dinelli, good finish as well. That was clinical. Yeah. So Stephen Fletcher buried the penalty for his first goal in Scottish football since he left previously thirteen years ago. Um, but then ninety fifth minute. Right at the end of the game. This time, thankfully, it's for Hearts. Um, nice play between Shanklin to lay off to the substitute, Josh Ginelli, who apparently could be on his way out, but certainly looked interested Hope when not. he came on. Um, I think he was offside, but uh, good pace. It's come through and a cool finish on his left foot to roll it in. And this is when Mark is probably going to disagree. No, I think no. he, I think he's just a little bit offside. It's close. It's it's close. We Going back to what I said, when, when it's not a live game, um, on Sky, then there's fewer cameras. So I think it, if it's VAR, the game ends. Th- the game's three 0 because I don't think it's. A I, I, it's funny you say that. Publics, That's yeah. exactly what I was thinking. The goalie's happy because he gets his clean sheet bonus, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and Janelli's denied at, at, at the death. It, it's close. We'll never know. Uh, you, we benefit from some and and don't benefit from uh, from from others. That's I mean, in terms of the two decisions. From. It's tight. You can you can forgive the assistant for not getting that in real time. I, I think the penalty is a worse one because you're finding something that didn't happen, and I don't think the referee yeah. looked overly convinced himself that it was a penalty. I think but it's a reactive decision. It is, but there you go. It, it it's interesting though because I, I do agree with that. It's an interesting option to have Janelli because he's he, he's he's quick, he's direct. He's flattered to deceive quite often at heart, so I don't think he's good enough to be a regular first pick 11, but if he was willing to stick around, which he might not be, I don't know, um, he's certainly an option I wouldn't be against having in that squad. 100%. Where's the pace coming from without him? Gary McKay, Stevens not got pace. None of the players that... Not lightning pace, and that's the one thing in the squad that we're lacking. So to have one player, might not be the best player in the world, but 20 minutes to go... When you want to stretch the game, you've got him against tired defenders. If you if you can persuade him to stay, um, knowing that he's not going to be a starter right now, but he could play his way into a team because he's had chances to be consistent. He had, I think we played at Arbroath, didn't we, in the championship, and he got injured early doors, and it was the flashes before that game that you kind of thought, okay, 
and then a lot of people wanted him to sign up and when, when he did it's just not been consistent enough and you can say he's maybe not had the chances but you'll get the chances if you perform and now he's knocking on the door if he comes on against because he'll not start against Zurich but he's a perfect player to stretch the field if he comes on and scores again you've got to knock at the, the manager's door and say what more have I got to do to start here but when the team's winning and that's that's the thing Reminds me of a quick story. Tommy McQueen, who played down south, but also played for Aberdeen under Alex Ferguson, a former colleague of mine, and he knocked on the door one day. He was so steady. He was an 8 out of 10 every week for the reserves. Knocked on Fergie's door one day. He says, Gaffer, I think I should be playing in the first team. And he's got all these responses. He's got kind of an answer to that response, to that response, and to that response. Fergie says to him, Tommy, son, you're right. That was McQueen screwed. He says, I'll tell you why you're right. He says, you've been outstanding every week. Eight out of ten. Brilliant play. He says, but look at these scores. And he pointed to the chart on the wall. Aberdeen were unbeaten in 20. He says, I'm not doing badly myself either, am I? Now fuck off out my office. And that's what Fergie said to Tommy McQueen. So it's basically keep your standards up. And when the chance comes, make sure you take it. But don't put your head down. That's why it's a squad game, right? This season especially, there's going to come times where... You feel you're doing well. You feel you've done well and given the chance, but you might not be picked next time. Keep the head up. And it was always something I thought Aaron McInef was really good at doing. And I understand the move to Perth Glory. He, he wanted first-team football. He was frustrated at his lack of opportunities. But his mindset throughout it is a lesson to all yeah. other players about not going in the huff, not acting like my four-year-old daughter when she doesn't get her way and stomping your feet and going, nye, nye, nye. that is, is what you're looking for. But as long as we keep winning, then it's, it's, a, it's, a, good, uh, it's a good problem to have, isn't it? It certainly is. So a big 4-1 victory for Hearts, push them back up to third. It means that only Rangers, Celtic and Hearts are unbeaten in the table after three games. Uh, before we move on, just want to mention a couple of players, and we've talked about Shanklin, we've talked about Mackay. Um, I thought Cammy Devlin looked as brilliant energetic self snapping at ankles getting forward he seems to want to get forward a little bit more this season he's a pest possibly been told that isn't he? he is but um my the player i really enjoyed watching on sunday who i've enjoyed Roy, watching Roy. since he's come over is mr kai rolls mm. who is just so solid he put a terrific tackle just after um after we scored I thought he read a few things brilliantly. One of his defensive headers to flick it away from Fletcher. It's just fantastic from a, a really good Tony Watt ball. I think he is a real find. You know, Robbie Nielsen, when he came on his podcast, spoke spoke really highly about him, saying they've managed to get a really big player, someone who could easily be playing down, I think he said the English Championship right now. Um, I think we've, we've got a real, real solid defender there. He's a defender. He defends. Doesn't think he's Beckenbauer. More importantly, doesn't think he's Ryan Porteous. Just defends. Defends well. Positionally. Excellent. Uh, last week, I, I said, and I'll say it again, there's work to be done on, on his distribution. But he's young. And if you've got that as a starting point, if you've got that awareness, those defensive attributes, and it, honestly, it's like, there's your smoking jacket, son. There's your cigar. Just enjoy it because he's, he strolled through it. He, he really did. But what do we do? When Kingsley's now back, he came on for, for Cochrane. 
I, I think he'll probably go Kingsley left back. Um, he might play three against Zurich, but you with that, you've got a left-sided centre-back and a right-sided centre-back, and the balance is excellent. It just works. So he's been better every game that he's played, and I thought he was he strolled through that game. He was outstanding on sun, Sunday. Certainly was. A good display all round. Plenty of positive performances. And three points for Hearts. Okay, next up on this week's podcast, we are delighted to be joined by a special guest who has come on to give us his insights on Hearts opponents in the Europa League playoff this week and Swiss football as a whole. It is our Swiss football expert, albeit based not too far from us, it's Craig King. How are you doing, Craig? I'm good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, you're most welcome on the podcast. We're delighted to, to have you on. Albeit, when we get a Swiss expert on, people might be slightly surprised that it's a Glaswegian accent. But um, we know that you've taken an interest in Swiss football for about the last 11 years. Is that right? Um, yeah, coming up to 12 years, I believe. Basically, I started it back in late 2011 and started just watching Basel games and it expanded into the entire league. I just because I noticed on Twitter there wasn't places for Swiss football in English like there is for other leagues, I thought I could try it and see where it went. And I just kind of fell in love with the league, met a lot of good friends through it, had a lot of good opportunities like this through it as well. So it just went from there. And now I don't like to call myself an expert, but I like to think I'm well-versed in the league now and know quite a bit about it. Well, I mean, you're as much an expert on Swiss football as Mark and I are experts on scottish football so there you go we can we wonder can... where you were going with that <laughs> <laughs> you, you you'll know a lot more about swiss football than anyone else that we've that we've talked to so that's that's excellent and i think you've you've covered it for the likes of bbc and sky sports as well now yeah mostly in most cases it's uh, the national team during the major tournaments uh, euro 2020 there i did a few things for bbc and Sky Sports when Switzerland played England in March. So again, those are some of the cool opportunities that I've had as a result of that. And mostly when teams like Young Boys or Basel or, or Zurich play a team from the UK, then things tend to happen there as well. I think there's a lot more interest there. Laurie, I love stories like this simply because you'll get a lot of people getting in touch with you, younger people saying, how do I get into the industry? I've had that as well. Think outside the box. Look for something that hasn't been covered that might be of interest to other people and just go down a path. Now, I can't kind of place if Craig's accent is, is more Zurich or Basel or <laughs> kind of somewhere else in, in Switzerland. But you know what? That's the way to, 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 to do something like this. Find a niche. Yeah. Find a niche. Identify something that other people aren't doing and be good at it. And then look look where it'll take you, as, as Craig has mentioned. So I love stories like that. Indeed. And he's done very well from it. And he's now reached the pinnacle of his uh, Swiss football correspondent career by coming on Scarves in the funnel yeah. ahead of the big Europa League playoff match between FC Zurich and Heart of Midlothian. So first up, Craig. Uh, Are we um, going to beat them? None of that nonsense. Cut to the chase. Who's going we'll to get to that? No, we'll, we'll, oh, come we'll, on, son. We'll, we'll get to that. We'll get to that. So, first of all, let's look at the opponents because 
you know, it's it's a team that I think most football fans would have heard of. Most Hearts fans would have been aware of who FC Zurich are, but I think quite a few would have raised eyebrows when they found out they were champions last year, their first title in 13 years. So what came about? Why were the why were the Swiss champions last year suddenly good enough to reach that point after 13 years without a title? It's quite a fascinating story, really, because Young Boys had finished the previous season 31 points ahead. They dominated for the last four, uh, last three years before that as well. That points total actually was the same as what PSG did in France. So it kind of gives you a, an idea of just how big the gap was because FC Basel were the only team that could conceivably challenge and they were miles off the pace as well. And Zurich that season finished down in eighth, only five points out of relegation. They won only three of the last 16 games that season. So you wouldn't think, looking at that, that the very next season they'd win the, win the championship quite easily. Yeah, comfortably. But there was, there's a few reasons for it. They changed the manager. The, uh, Massimo Rizzo was replaced at the end of the season by uh, Andre Breitenreiter, who came in and he only managed 30-odd games for them, but took them to the title. He um, set them up normally in a 3-1-4-2 and they didn't make a lot of signings that season, a couple of players, but the majority of the players that were key for them and winning the title were already there. So it kind of just shows you how you can inherit a team that looks like they're candidates for relegation almost and get the best out of the group of players. You had players like uh, Usman Dembele, uh, Dumbia, sorry, who he was one of the key players in the team, kind of underappreciated, but he was one of the main reasons for me. They had the striker, Asan CC, who mm. had only scored six goals in 33 games for Zurich over a few seasons. And then in that season, he was top goal scorer with 20 goals. So again, it, a manager comes in and is able to transform a team and they won the title from that. But the, This is the this is Swiss equivalent of Leicester, isn't it? I would say to an extent, yeah. I, I think they were helped also because young boys had lost their manager to Leverkusen and they brought in David Wagner, who of course, we know from when he managed in the Premier League and in Germany. And they were kind of going through a transition as well. They didn't, they hadn't lost too many players, but again, a new manager didn't particularly go well. They had some nice results, like the game against Manchester United in the Champions League, but they really struggled for consistency. SC Basel, who, of course, we remember were dominant for a long time in Switzerland, and they fell from grace and struggled with managers and kind of at board level there was a lot of disagreements and all that sort of stuff and only now they're coming back in so I think Zurich benefited from that but they also went ahead and showed they were far better than everyone else I can't remember the exact points total but they lost a couple of games near the start of the season and then they went on a 17 match unbeaten run which more or less pulled them away from everyone else and a lot of people were questioning this can't last this is a team that really can't be champions because of what happened the season before. They'd been impressive, but you expected them to crash, almost like Leicester. I think a lot of people expected them to fizzle out. And it just didn't happen. They just kept going. They had some moments towards the end of the season. They lost some games and looked a bit shaky. But by that point, they were well ahead. There was no chance of anyone catching them. And they went and secured the title pretty early on. I can't remember the exact month. But they were comfortable for such a long time and deservedly champions. How different is it now? Why are they no wins, two draws, one goal scored, worst 
goal difference in the league, minus nine, bottom of the table. Who have they lost and how much weaker are they for a side that Hearts are now going to face compared to when they won the league? I would say they're significantly weaker, which is what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. But there's uh, <laughs> there's a, f- a few reasons for that. I mean, when you have a team that goes from the Championship to being bottom of the table after five games, they've only scored one goal in the league, which came at the weekend against the newly promoted side. They've scored a couple of goals in Europe, but most of them are either penalties or offside goals that were allowed to stand. So, <laughs> And a lot of the reason for that is some of those players I mentioned before has left, Asan Sisi left for the Serie A, Dumbia left to arrive on the league in Lugano. Players like that were really hard to replace and they, for me anyway, they haven't replaced them adequately. I don't think they've not replaced the goals for one thing. You can see that right away. And I don't know if that's going to come over time. Maybe they'll gel after a while. I expected them not to challenge for the title. I didn't think they were strong enough this season. But I expected mid-table, certainly not bottom of the table. And again, it's early days, so that might change. The other thing, of course, as well, is the manager went to Hoffenheim. And he was a huge part, as you can imagine. They brought in Franco Foda, who we may all know from his time at Austria. Scotland played them a couple of times beat them away from home as well. And from people that I speak to on Twitter that I, that follow Austrian football, they kind of were never happy with him. I think that the Austrian support were totally fed up with him by the time that he, he resigned. And when he was appointed as Zurich manager, there was quite a few people saying this isn't going to go well. He's a very defensive manager. He's not going to be able to sustain what Zurich did before. And I think that's kind of harsh because it's always going to be hard for them to sustain what they did before, considering the losses they had in personnel. But he hasn't made a good start. The, the form book shows that already. And he's done nothing really to, to show that there's going to be a change coming. So on paper, for me, this tie is probably 50-50 normally. I think when if you said to Hearts at the start of the season, before a ball had been kicked in either league, that they were going to be playing Zurich, I think it would be quite a... It wouldn't be a particularly good reaction because you're playing aside champions of Switzerland and we've seen with young boys in Basel before that difficult sides to play but now five games in and the way they're playing the lack of goal scoring threat I don't think Hearts will have anything really to worry about at this point <laughs> from them and that, that I mean again it might click at some <laughs> point hopefully hopefully for you guys not on uh, Thursday but it's just hard to see where that improvement's going to come from I mean, when we look at we look at uh, Zurich, and it's like I know Mark mentioned Leicester there, but this is still a team with a, a decent bit of pedigree. I mean, it had been thirteen years without the title, but um, in terms of quality, they've they've won three of the Swiss Cups available uh, since that last title win. Um, looking at their history, they have reached the European Cup semi-finals a couple of times, albeit in the sixties and seventies. And in terms of recent European football, Hearts have only played in the group stages of a European competition once back in 2004-2005. Since Hearts were in the group stage there, uh, Zurich have been in the group stages of the UEFA Cup or Europa League five times and the Champions League once. So there's still a a decent pedigree about this team, isn't it? It's not a side that Hearts could take too lightly, even though they've obviously weakened, so to speak, from last season. Yeah, definitely. I, I think especially at this stage of European football, most mostly the, any team that you play is one that you're going to be 
should be wary of. You can't really take anything for granted. And Zurich, to their credit, they've had big results in Europe before. Not so long ago, they beat Leverkusen at home. They ultimately went out in that uh, against them, but they were good against them to win that game. They they were able to compete, and that was maybe five, six years ago. And times have changed, obviously, but it's they can't be underestimated, even with the form that they're shown. But as I said, with that form, there has to be a wee bit of confidence, I think, from Hearts that they can mm-hmm. take advantage of kind of the fragility that's there for Zurich. I think if they can as- escape from the first leg, which again there's a benefit, it's not in, it's not at uh, the Lexington Stadium in Zurich. It's totally different uh, arena. Yeah, it's uh, the fans. The, the attendance might not be what it would have been because it's further away and it's you know not long after people finish work and all that sort of stuff. So there's a lot of signs that it could be a good tie for Hearts. But again, I don't, I don't want to bring Zurich down too much because, <laughs> as you say, they've they've got that pedigree. But I'm not fully confident heading into this tie at all. I mean, Robbie Nielsen mentioned that as well that it could be an advantage for Hearts or at least a disadvantage for 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 Zurich that it's in St Gallen, fifty miles away. Nielsen also mentioned the fact that they've changed their style a little bit. He suggested that they're a little bit more counter attacking this year, um, but were. Uh, Sorry, they're a bit more counter-attacking last year, but have become a little bit more possession-based. Would you would you agree with that? Yeah, has there been I, a slight change in style? Do you think? I would agree with that. I just I want to say on the stadium issue as well. It's probably a, a better thing for Hearts fans that it's moved because I don't know if you've anyone seen the lights. There's no running track in this place, is there? No. So there's a running track at Zurich Stadium, which is. To me, even worse than Hamden Park because it, it's all the way round. Like it's even further away from the pitch. It's yeah. one of the stadiums that actually, when I go over there in October, there was the Zurich Derby zone, and it's at that stadium. But I refuse to go there because I don't think it's a, a good match day experience. So I think in that respect, there will be better for Hearts fans and much better atmosphere and all that stuff. But as as for the question, yeah, last season they were a really good counter attacking team kind of settled in the formation and that was a big kind of any analysis of the team that was a focus now they, I feel like they're still struggling to find their identity they've changed formation a few times at the start of the season and Franco Ford has actually went back to the formation that was used last season but they're still kind of too defensive that's been a complaint from a lot of Zurich fans already they're just they're not showing any threat and they are just too they want more from the team in that regard. But again, this is what we were warned about from Austrian journalists, football fans. They said this is what you get with this manager. They've seen it with the Austrian national team when he was in the Austrian Bundesliga too, and it seems to be happening here, and that's a real concern. They played a 3-4-3, Robin Nielsen said, when they watched them in the Europa League. He talked about having pace in wide areas is that a threat yeah they do have uh, pace there they've got uh, Tosan Eugen in the wing and Wilfred Gnonto who's an Italian international he scored his first goal in the summer there for the national team and he's full international cap there and so there's a lot of pace with those players but it's the the, at the final kind of putting the ball in the net that's missing for them they don't have that anymore with the strikers that they sold 
So there's a lot, there is pace in this team and they can get forward and they can, but they've just not been able to translate that into goals. And that's been the big issue. So Hearts need to be wary about that. Obviously, any pace is, is something to worry about. But there's just not the cutting edge at the moment. There's a real lack of ruthlessness in the team. And that's been the big, big problem. How's Blair and Jamali been uh, been doing? He's 36 now. And I know he's not a first name on the team. I commented on him when he was in Italy with a couple of clubs. And he, he's back to kind of where it started. He's a talent. But can you see him being involved at all against Hearts? Possibly. He's, as we all know, he's very experienced. So that might be something that could be leaned on and over these two legs. And throughout the team, he's just that old head in the team that I think the team mm. needs at this point, certainly, because it's in kind of disarray with the performances. There's, they've got other players there as well, like Antonio Marciano, who is 31. Yeah, he's a good player. He's six assists, 13 goals, which was a match his total for the previous season. So he's really came on to a game in the last couple of seasons and he's quite experienced maybe not at this level he's played in some Europa League games before but not anywhere compared to Kamali uh, but yeah um, so these are players that can really help in this situation and I think they'll really need to kind of step up because there's some youngsters in the team they've got young defender uh, Bessero Maradjic who's Swiss international 18 lots of potential only tw- 20 years old and he guys like that who haven't really experienced games like this that often. And I think they'll be a big help. So I think the manager might call on these sorts of guys to really try and drag them through the tie because it's, it's very important that there's a, not necessarily, you know, probably get falling into the conference league wouldn't be the worst thing, but this is a really good opportunity here against a team that you wouldn't say is any maybe better or worse than Zurich. It's no, a It's a good tie, it's a good tie, tie. for both, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, uh, I think... I, I, yeah, I just wonder how many changes he might make because after the eye is the one that Hearts fans heard of, <laughs> saw him. I know, yeah. and and look, it's it's like Martin Boyle coming on as a sub, and you, you kind of know that the script is written. That would be the concern. I know he started against Winterthur last time out, but is that likely to be a similar lineup with him starting again that he goes with against Hearts, or do you think he'll make a few changes? No, I wouldn't be surprised if he starts. Uh, he, he got a couple of goals against Linfield in the last round. And like I said, they've been missing goals. So I think the manager's going to latch on to anyone that's actually putting the ball in the net at this point. I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest if he starts. I would actually expect them to start. They've also got Ivan Santini there, but he's really struggled to make his mark. He scored against Carabag in the second leg, but again, it was a, an offside goal that was allowed to stand. So he's not really hit the ground running either. So yeah, I would, ex- I would expect them to start because... I don't think there's not a lot of goals in this team at the moment. And if anyone's putting the ball in the net, then it's going to be him. From a Hearts perspective, where do you think they can get success against this side then? Uh, is it being defensive and just letting them have possession and, and kind of take them back to Tynecastle maybe with you know a decent enough result? I mean, in my head, I'm thinking if we can get back to Tynecastle with a draw or a one goal deficit, I'd, I'd take that right now. Or do you think there's actually an opportunity for Hearts to even go one better? Well, I think, personally, I think Hearts are going to approach the game to try and get the draw and take it back to Tynecastle. That seems to be the, kind of the way it'll go. But I think they would, might be actually better suited to have a go at Zurich because the defence yes. has been pretty poor for, well, since the start of the season. They've conceded some really sloppy goals and 
compared to last season, that was one of their big strengths. They only they conceded 43 goals last season, which was a big improvement on the previous season, which is to be expected considering they, they finished in eighth. But again, it's went another way again. It's went, they've started conceding a lot of goals. They conceded three at home to FCC on, who aren't prolific goal scorers in this league over the last few seasons. And they look really fragile at the back. So I think Hearts could go there and have it. They, they can score. They can definitely go and score if they have a goal. But I don't think that's going to be the approach that they take. I think, as you mentioned, they'll be happy with, with a draw to take it back. But I do think they can score. I definitely think they can even take a 1-0 a, a or a 1-8. Because I'm not convinced that Zurich are going to be able to score many goals themselves. It might just be a very cagey game and Hearts can take that back to Tencastle and be happy with that. But I would be interested to see if they did have a go at Zurich and because I think there could be success there. But the one thing I'm hoping Robbie Nielsen's learned, uh, Birker Cara, I think he was more worried about the opposition and how Hearts were playing. Hopefully it's now a case with a bit more experience from the coach that... Um, we can we cannot so Yannick Brecher is their goalkeeper. He's all right from what I've seen. Craig, tall. Um, not sure he's he's the best with his with his feet. He was decent last season, but he's not been great this season. I don't want him to kind of have the easiest night of his career because Hearts haven't laid a glove on him, excuse the pun. Yeah, he can again, he had a good season last season. But Zurich were a lot better defensively. He wasn't mm-hmm. tested nearly as much as he has been, and then this season it's been different, and he's looked shaky. He's conceded a couple of goals where he was at fault, and you're right. Test him, see what what he's made of, because he's not. He's a, a decent keeper, but he's not. Craig Gordon's a better keeper, so um, yeah, I don't. I, I think you should definitely test him and see see what he's made of. I think there's there's opportunity there, but I'm not. I'm not sure if Hearts are going to take that approach. Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna say that with the. Uh, dropping of the away goal sometimes maybe the um the uh, it's not as attractive to maybe try and go for uh, go for slightly more attacking or try and take advantage of a team because you know previously getting that away goal you just get one goal or get a one one draw was huge but not so much um not so much now interestingly Ellie Yohan who is on loan from St Gallen at uh, Hibs and obviously played against Hearts in the Edinburgh Derby recently. He thought um, the FC Zurich are stronger technically, but he felt Hearts were stronger physically, and he thought that that would give Hearts the advantage over the two legs. Do you think that's hmm. quite a a fair assessment from someone who obviously knows the league quite well? Yeah, I would agree with that. That, that makes sense to me. Hearts are quite a physical team, and I think they can kind of rough Zurich about here and make it really difficult for them. But that's a good point about the, the away goal. And that is such a big thing that that's away now. It's not so important anymore. So that changes the game as well. But I just, I feel like a draw would be good for Hearts to take oh, yeah, back to yeah. Tencastle. You'd be delighted with that. You'd take that before a ball was kicked. And you, you don't really, it'd be nice to win. You don't really need to win when you can go and finish a job in front of your own fans and You've already been able to secure that result on the road. But it's going to be a very interesting tie overall. Interesting one thing you said, bigger picture, um, Craig, and this can apply for, for both teams. 
Um, what is the what is the better um, route to go down here? Obviously, both sides are going to, of course, want to win the game and want to qualify. But there's a lot less pressure this um, year on the playoffs, certainly, because obviously both these clubs would go into the Europa Conference League at group stages if they lose this tie. And we spoke about this in the podcast previously. Um, there's very little difference financially, certainly on the face of it, between the Europa League and the Conference League. Um, it's 3.6 million euros to get into the group stage of Europa League, and it's just under 3 million euros for the Conference League. Um, slightly less coefficient payments, albeit a lot of the predictions we saw for that and the TV pool money would be pretty minimal. Um, and performance-wise, you get slightly more for a win in the Europa League, €630,000 to the €500,000 in the conference, and €210,000 for a draw in the Europa League to the €166,000 in the conference. But in the conference, you're definitely going to have more of a chance, you should have more of a chance of getting results on the table. What is It's, it's a tough one, I find to figure out which is the better one. Is ultimately the prestige of the Europa League, the bigger games on the bigger stage that will, I can lean towards that? I think in some respects, I think for a team like FC Zurich, if you were to qualify for Champions League, then you're quite happy whatever happens, you've got that kind of, you're in with those elite teams. But in my opinion, if they get through into the Europa League, and it depends on the sort of group draw they get, but I'm not convinced that they're going to be able to compete with a lot of teams in there. And when the seedings were announced and things like that, there was a few people, including myself, that thought it might be better for them to drop into the Conference League because the Swiss coefficients took a bit of a hit over the last mm-hmm. few years. It wasn't that long ago that the Swiss Cup winners got automatic entry into the Europa League. Zurich done it themselves. One of the years they won the, they won the Cup and were relegated in the same season but they were playing Europa League football while in the second year. But the last couple of years, it's took a hit. Now we only have the, the league winners, Champions League participants in the qualifying. We don't have any Europa League spot unless the Champions League participant drops down, which sure it could have done. And then you've got three more spots for the Conference League, which were occupied by Organo, Basel and Young Boys. So it's taken a hit, as I said. So... If they can go into the Conference League where they should be able to compete a lot better, should be able to get wins. I think Basel are a good example of this. They had a, a group last season that was pretty comfortable for them. They won most of their games. They picked up some good coefficient points. And that's probably what you want, at least from a neutral. I think Zurich fans, of course, they probably want in the Europa League. They want to play in the best competition you can possibly play in. But for the coefficient, and a lot of other people have said that to me, that it, it would be good for Zurich to go into the Conference League. But of course, you want the team to win. You want the, the representative of the, the country to to win any game they can get into the Europa League. But yeah, I don't think it's necessarily a good thing if they get into the Europa League, if they get a tough draw and just end up with very few points and the coefficient doesn't improve any either. Because as you know, it just has a knock-on effect. There was a good thread, actually, I don't- I'll direct people towards it by Turnover SPFL. You can get them on Twitter at Turnover SPFL. It's currently their pinned tweet, which showed the the kind of how lucrative European football this season is for Hearts, um, and you know what it could mean in terms of getting to the group stages. I, I certainly think, Mark, one of the things with the Europa League you would get is much more likely to get um, 
bigger ties uh, against teams of a bigger pedigree. However, one thing we spoke about earlier um, this week or at the weekend was the fact that there's a little bit of concern about, especially watching Dundee United get absolutely slaughtered against Alkmaar. You know, if Hearts draw some of these sides, I know Manchester United are not as good as they once were just now, but there's Manchester United in there, Roma, Lazio, Real Betis. There's a lot of big sides. It's a slight worry for me that we could get to the Europa League, especially. It could happen in the conference too, but more likely Europa League. And you get some real doings. And although in the grand scheme of things, it's not the end of the world in terms of individual results, but if we're getting run ragged on a Thursday, conceding four, five, six goals, that's fairly going to dent your con- your confidence for a Sunday match in the league. Yeah, but we're worrying about games that are glamorous ties. And if we get a glamorous tie, the likelihood is that team is going to do well against all the other teams in the group. I think we we want to be in the in the Europa League where we have to finish third. So we have to finish above one team to continue our European adventure after Christmas. In the Conference League, we would have to finish first or second in the group. Now let's take a look at some of the teams that are in the Conference League and then you realise, ooh, that might be easier said than done because as far as the seeding is concerned for the the Conference League, guaranteed to be top seeds, Villarreal, Basel, Slavia Prague, Young Boys, AZ and Istanbul Basakshi here. Okay, that's that's fine. I mean, it's maybe not as glamorous as it is in the Europa League, but you've also got West Ham in there, Maccabi Tel Aviv, Partizan Belgrade, Fiorentina, uh, Cologne. So sides that you probably fancy maybe of taking something from at, at home. Um, but give me the glamour uh, of the Europa League. Give me the chance. When, when you see with the Europa League, okay, in pot four, HJK Helsinki, Sturm Graz, AEK Larnaca, Hearts, Hearts. and Union saint Gilois. <laughs> yeah, so that's the kind of, of level um, that you're going to be facing. It's going to be slightly better, sorry, not that Hearts are going to be facing, but that's going to be the pot four teams. Slightly better than that will be in pot three. So you're just looking, right now the, there are, there's no confirmed teams in either pot two or pot three because there's so much still to be done. There's five potential confirmed teams in pot four, that includes Hearts, because if it's not Hearts, it's going to be Zurich. So you you know you're going to have a big boy, right? I would rather a trip to Stadio Olimpico, right? And if, if Hearts get into the Europa League and get past Zurich, then there's a decent chance, there's a 25% chance that Hearts will be playing at Stadio Olimpico, because Roma and Lazio are both in pot one, right? So I'd love to see my team there. I'd love to see my team at Old Trafford. Um, Braga, from a progression perspective and a chance to do well at home and trying to finish at least third in the group would probably be the best draw. But from a glamorous perspective, I think you want a bit of glamour and you want at least one team you think you're going to... That's what you need to do. So give me the Europa League, especially if Rangers are in the Champions League um, and we can get the majority of the country money from from the Europa League. Conference League, it's funny, a few weeks ago we we were saying, does it really matter? I think it does. I think we want to be in the the Europa League because I'd fancy my chances of finishing third in a a Europa League group rather than finishing second. Because if we finish third in the Conference League, there's no football after Christmas in Europe. Before we we let Craig go, why don't we get some predictions in for the game? What we like to do, Craig, is we like to predict the scoreline for the next Hearts game and pick a goal scorer. 
if there is going to be a goal scorer, of course, that is. Um, so you're the guest. You're the man who knows the opposition better than both of us. What do you fancy for a scoreline on Thursday night? And if there is to be a, a goal scorer, in fact, you could pick a goal scorer from either side. Why not? Well, I think it's going to be one each. That's the score I've got in my head. Okay. I don't know if that's uh, if, if I'm being stupid there because Zurich have done nothing to suggest they can score goals. I'll but take one-one. One. I'll tell you that. <laughs> um, I think because that's will be happy to settle for that. That could be the scoring. As for goal scorers, I think it, I'm not going to name his name because I, I find it hard enough to pronounce half of these players that play in Switzerland. So. That ex-striker of yours, I think he will come back to on you. Uh. <laughs> um, as for the Hearts goal scorer, I'll, I'll leave that one up to you guys. I don't know. Um, I'll leave that up to you to, to pick one for Hearts. Okay. I, I've got in my head what I think the score will be. I'll have to think of a goal scorer. What, what about you, Mark? Goalless. Goalless? Yep, I take think it's a well. game that Hearts would, would take nil-nil. I don't think Hearts will be overly attacking um, and I think I think Zurich will be cagey in the first leg, just because they've conceded as many goals that that they've conceded this season, ten goals in in five games. Um, so I, I think they might take that as well, and a nil nil. Forget the whole away goals; that doesn't count anymore. They're a fragile side right now, and the danger would be if it's nil nil with ten to go. I would like to see Hearts have a goal, but I don't think that Robbie Nielsen feels they need to, and he would rather preserve a nil-nil than have a go to try and score, knowing fine well that you could concede at the other end. So I'm going to go a goalless draw and set things up for the second leg at Tyne Castle the following Thursday. Okay. I'm going to go with 1-1 as well. Mm -hmm. And because... Remember last time I said I was predicting the goal scorer against Dundee United and I said, I can't just go Shankland again because it's obvious. And you said, why not? I said, because it's just too easy to do that. And then he said, what are you going to do when next week Shankland scored a goal? And yes, is he did score. Sound, is it? Okay. So that's that was my impression of you. So I, I'm going to go 1-1 and I am going to say Shankland to score the goal. And I hope to... Fuck, it's not Avdi who scores for them because so shit for hearts. Just so shit that... <laughs> It would just rub salt in the wounds if he actually did anything of note, given the only two things he did for Hearts was smash the ball about 50 yards over the crossbar twice when we were in decent attacking positions. By the tragic, way, I've just, tragic I, at Hearts. You can get six to one on a one one. I think that's a decent price. But I think I've found the value. I think I've found the value. 14 to one for a goalless draw. That's, that's big. There you go. Isn't it? Is it? Is it just me? That's that's maybe based on both sides not able to keep clean sheets and both having maybe a few goals in their games this season. Maybe when you bet, you look for value and and fourteen to. If you played that game fourteen times, that's what in essence what they're saying. One of those times, it would finish nil nil. I think it would happen more often than 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 that. So I think there's there's your value, and I think. You and I would take that right now, wouldn't we? I I don't condone gambling, but um, but yeah, why not? There don't you go. put the house on it. Put a couple <laughs> of quid on it. A couple of shekels. Right. Well, well, thank you for joining us, Craig. We really appreciate it, and offered some good insight on um the game on Thursday, and uh, hopefully, 
it's a, a decent result from a Scottish perspective. You know, from your perspective, I guess you'll be torn, given you're over here, but with an interest in Swiss football. So, um, thank you very much for taking the time to come on. No problem. Thanks again for having me, guys. Thank you, Craig. Good luck going forward. Thank you. Bye-bye. That just about brings us to the end of this week's podcast. Um, We are, at the time of recording, three nights away from Hart's first match in European competition in six years. Um, I will probably be in a studio covering it from here, but I believe... Someone may have made a <laughs> late decision to, Honestly. to to make a little little journey. Oh, geez, I'm going to be in Zurich. Um, I'll be honest. I've had a I had a few beers, not loads, but I had a few beers last night, and I'd looked and I'd kind of thought during the day because oh, I want to get over for one of the three in the group stage, wherever we are, whichever competition. And I hadn't really, I thought, well, there's, there's going to be another one. And then I thought, you know what? I was meant to be commentating on Friday on Sevilla. Um, they've pulled that because of a lack of facilities at ESPN. So I'm not working again until Saturday. And I did Atletico Madrid today at Hetafe in a 3-0 win. And I'm not working again this week. So I worked Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday. So I thought, you know what? Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, for, hold on a minute here. So I went on the United website. And it was three and a half grand for an economy return. I'm like, <laughs> no chance. No chance. I have got some United miles. So I thought, no, I couldn't. You never know. It's just itch. It's an itch that you're scratching away at. So I've got like 60-odd thousand miles for United. And um, the first one for the three and a half grand first flight was... Um, 32,600 miles. And I'm like, oh, that's less than half. I wonder if there's another one. So I went on the other one, but I pressed the wrong thing and it came up 72,000 miles. I was like, okay, forget about it. But then something else popped up saying, Zurich to Denver, Denver to Hartford. So that's basically flying halfway across this country to come back halfway across this country for 30,000 miles. Total taxis payable, $65. So I said this to my pal who I was at. I said, look, this is ridiculous. Two days in Zurich and flying like 16 hours one way and 19 hours on the way back. <laughs> so he kept digging away at me. He goes, well, you're not doing anything else. So I looked again and, and then we, we we were in a bar and we tossed a coin. He's like, right, really? you, you've got to make a decision. <laughs> I said, well, I can't. I he said, you want to go, don't you? I said, well, I'd love to be there. Because here's the other thing. I've never seen Hearts away from home in Europe, outside the United Kingdom, as a fan. I was at the Spurs game, but every single other one on the, the mainland continent, I've been working. So we tossed a coin, and um, I'm off to Zurich. So there you go. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in among the fans for the first time watching Hearts since the Cup Final of 2019. So there you go. Um, I'm I'm jealous, but I'm pleased I'm that you'll I'm I'm, I'm I'm pleased that you'll get there. It's a we, we it's need a big to represent commitment. the podcast. It is a big yes, commitment, but I, yes. I don't care. It's my team. Exactly. It's my team. I hadn't hadn't booked a hotel until this morning. Um, I'll find a ticket. Uh, got a couple of calls in. I'm pretty optimistic I'll get a ticket as well. Um, it is a big commitment, but you know what? 
I'm sure all of us have had a lot of shit times during COVID and, and kind of thought, you know what, I would what, what I would give to go and see my team again. And for 65 bucks, my, what the hell am I? What am I going to use the miles for anyway? So I'm not <laughs> daft enough to spend three and a half grand on a flight. It was like 10 grand business class. I'm not going near that. I can't afford that. But for 65 bucks and the toss of a coin to see my team in Europe, I can't wait, Laurie. And I fly away tomorrow. I did say to my wife beforehand, if this came about, she's like, fine, if you're only away for a couple of days, I don't care. So it's not like divorce is coming. So, <laughs> and, and that's, honestly, I've had fun today. Before I went into She, she knows there's another three games in Europe. <laughs> I hope she's not listening. But after I, um, before I went into work today to do the Atletico Madrid commentary, I was on the, I was on the, the phone to my, my pals, Brian McLaughlin from the Beeb's going to be there. Cy Rennie from Pennycook's going to be there. Joel Sked's going to be there. Um, just people that I know enjoy their company. That's what it's all about. And there are those that, that it's going to be tough to get to Zurich because of the flight prices that have gone up. But this is a rarity. Most of the time with hearts in Europe in the past, it's been, oh, should I spend the money now knowing that we might not get through it the next round or should I just wait? You know you've got three more. So there'll still be a decent hearts crowd in Zurich. But I understand those that maybe can't afford or, or whatever. But I think when you get an opportunity like this, life's too short. And for all the shite that we all went through, I think we all deserve to kind of, you only live once. Just if you've got a decision like this, then why not? Just do it. Talking of uh, big spending on air miles, uh, Ryan McGowan could have uh, would have probably had enough air miles to to get over. Flying McGowan air, yeah, he, yeah. He's, on his he's busy away playing for St Johnson. But happy should, birthday! Ryan yes, Ryan. I was going to say. By the time people are listening, it won't be his birthday. But as we're recording, it's Ryan McGowan's birthday, so we have to say happy birthday to mm-hmm. Ryan McGowan, um, who is thirty three, still got a few years left in the tank. And he's also got a warning in the Heart St. Johnston programme, a little piece that I've, I was asked to write. Oh, yes, he, oh, he's, yes. he's, he's been warned, don't you dare even come into our box and threaten to score past our beloved goalkeeper when Hearts play St. Johnston at the end of the month. Don't you bloody dare. So he's been <laughs> warned. He's been warned. So safe travels to everyone who is going across to the game Indeed. on Thursday. We hope you enjoy yourselves. We are going to be back um, for our second show of the week. We mentioned this before, so when Hearts are playing in Europe, we're going to do two episodes that week. So we've got this one, and we will have the first instalment of Make Some Noise, which will be coming to you on Friday, which will be the immediate reaction from the game in St. Gallen. Hopefully a positive result, but whatever happens, we will review it. So keep tuned for that uh mark will be flying for many hours and while he's doing that i'll just i'll just watch that walk on the wild side bbc clip you know of the was it a gopher or something it says alan 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 Alan. what is it james what is it james alan alan Alan. Alan. oh that'll that'll drill it into me won't it um hey james forrest if James Forrest scores our winner on Thursday, I don't care what he's called. Alan Forrest, James Forrest, or whatever. Do, do you know the big complication for me is going to be that the game afterwards we play at Celtic, Celtic Park, and if James Forrest <laughs> gets Forrest. a game, I'm, I'm screwed. It'd be like Hearts Dunfermline in the late 80s. Smith to Smith to Smith to Smith, and he beats Smith oh, to score. Well, you're forgetting the fact that there's actually 
a Ewan Henderson for hearts and a Ewan Henderson for hips, and they can both play um, against each other, and that's going to oh. be. And what was the what was the Hamilton one from last season when our both played Hamilton, and there was loads of Hamiltons. Oh, there was Hamilton. Anyway, let's not go on a tangent. We're going to go. It's the end of the right. podcast until Friday. Um, so thank you for tuning in. Make some noise, the Gorgie boys. We're back in Europe.